Well, once again, we want to welcome everybody. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here at the Meeting Place Church, and uh, we're going to be speaking this morning, and we've been really walking through the last several months um, some key foundational things, what it is to be a Christian, what it is for us individually, but also as we're a Christian, we're part of the body of Christ, that it's sort of a me, but it's also a we in the sense of uh, being part of a community and understanding what that is and our, finding our place in that. And we're going to continue today uh, taking a look at um, a real, another impacting topic. And we're going to look at today from Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at several other uh, verses that um, might not seem like a typical Mother's Day message. However, the more I've thought about and preparing for this, Actually, I'm really hoping this will help many, many moms. And you will understand as we go through, and this will apply for anyone, but specifically since it is Mother's Day, of understanding um, the battle that takes place that goes on in our world that uh, sometimes we're unaware of and that we need to be educated and we need to be fully aware. And you might see see things a bit differently after this morning's message on some of the battles and struggles that you have. And I certainly encourage from everything that was shared in the worship, knowing what I was going to speak on, it's very encouraging when you hear many of the scriptures that were read out and uh, different ones that uh, even in the songs that we were singing that lead to preparing our hearts for what God wants to say to us through his word this morning. So let's pick it up. This is Luke chapter 4. And we've just in the previous chapter seen Jesus uh, be baptized and begin his ministry. And Basically, at his baptism, we see how God the Father speaks and just gives him his affirmation and really his commissioning, saying, this is my son whom I love, you I'm well pleased, and what a great thing to hear from your dad, uh, those great words and how the Holy Spirit came upon him, and this is the first thing that takes place when that happens. So here we go, we pick it up in Luke chapter 4, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Remember Jesus, fully man, fully God. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, that's the devil, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. So Satan, quoting scripture, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to, to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. All right, well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we do want to thank you again for this day that you've given to us. And we thank you that you're here right now. And we, as we open up your written word, we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would teach us. And we pray that you'd open our hearts to receive your word, that you would renew our minds through your word, that we'd be led by you, spirit of truth. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, what we're going to do today, we're going to take a look at some really important things uh, about life and that you might not hear anywhere else. And we're going to begin today looking at how there really is um, two kingdoms here on planet Earth. And uh, certainly we see it in movies, and uh, I finally got to see Lord of the Rings this week with some of the guys, uh, which was great. And you can go through Lord of the Rings, you can go through Star Wars, you can go through everything, and there's always this epic battle between good and evil. And if you were to go through, you'll find that basically all of those things that we like in books and movies and all that really find their basis in the Bible and the Word of God, which is the true ultimate battle between good and evil. And evil, and this morning I think today might be a bit of a wake-up call. We just want to be aware of the battle that we're in, that we have a real-life battle. It's not just in movies. And what I find talking to people, um, I think people have a perception and a reality that yes, there's good and evil, but there's also a neutral. And most people think they're in the neutral category. They think they're Switzerland in the middle, okay? And so they realize, okay, yeah, there's some bad things going on, and there's some really, you know, we've got some saints and different things, so there's some really good things going on, but I'm outside of that battle, and I'm just neutral. I'm Switzerland in the middle, okay? So battle's going on around me, but I'm neutral. And so as long as I'm neutral, then I'm trying to be a good person, and I just mind my own business, and I believe good things, then I'm okay. And we might add a few religious things to it. So we give a little bit of money, we attend a service, and we feel like I'm sticking in neutral. The Bible says it's a different thing. The Bible says there's no neutral. As soon as you're born on planet Earth, as soon as you are born, and we take it even step even with conception, there's a battle going on for your life. God gives life. And because of sin, we go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And you just read it from how Satan tempted Jesus. God created Adam and Eve. He gave them authority to rule over planet Earth. And he gave them authority, delegated authority. They were stewards of the living God. And when they sinned, when they disobeyed God, and they believed the lies, and they followed Satan, they delivered that authority, as Satan said, to him. And he usurped their authority. And he became the God of this world. Little g, prince of the air, little p. And he took over ruling and reigning on planet Earth. And as we see in all good movies, a hero was on his way. That God established a rescue plan to bring back 
his kingdom to bring back his authority. And he sent Jesus to deal with the issue of sin to then bring back the rule and kingdom of the living God here on planet Earth. And that's the battle that's going on. Whether you're a Christian or not, that's the battle you're in. You might be totally oblivious to it, but there's a battle going on for your life. And as you become a Christian and you're born into the kingdom of God, you enter into a battle, whether you like it or not. As Aaron read out from Matthew 13, when you buy the whole field, you say, I'm throwing all my trust in Jesus Christ, then you get what's on that field. When you buy the whole field, you enter into a battle. Okay? There's no Switzerland. You can't, you can't run the flag and say, I just want to be neutral. Ah. There's no option. You were in a battle before you were a Christian, whether you knew it or not. And certainly, once you're marked with the Holy Spirit, you're in a battle. That you're marked by the Spirit of the living God. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, you're in a battle. And we have to be aware of this battle that we're in. And the Bible is very clear about talking about the kingdom of God, which we talk about a lot. But there's also a dominion of darkness. And they're at war. And folks, we need to wake up sometimes to the reality that things aren't the way they might appear. And that's not to scare us, actually to educate us so that we're, at, we're understanding what's going on. We're in a real battle. And Gary already prayed it this morning. He was quoting scripture. It goes beyond just flesh and blood. And we're going to take a look at some of these things this morning to help us so that we're educated, we're knowledgeable in the Bible. We understand what Jesus has done. And as we're in Christ, we understand what's done for us. Okay, first thing we just want to start with is we have to understand when we talk about the devil, Satan, he's a real being. He's a God of this world. And so therefore, and I will put this probably as a warning, we don't joke about the devil. Okay, so that's just a little bit of an aside. But I don't like joking about the devil. I don't like joking about Satan. I don't like joking about devil, pitchfork, red, you know. We don't want to mess around. Okay? He's a real person. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 6.12, what I was just saying. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The devil is a real being who is a fallen angel. And we'll just read out of Isaiah. And I know in the context it's read about Babylon, everything, but most scholars do take it to refer to Satan as well. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, we read this. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And the Bible says this. Let me read out some different scriptures. It says he's the accuser. In Revelation, it says, A loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. So mothers, have you ever felt accused? This is very applicable to Mother's Day. Have you ever felt accused that you're not a good enough mom? Okay. Satan's the accuser. We have a tempter, as we just read. And the tempter came and said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, Satan is a murderer and a liar. John 8, Jesus said this. 
referring to the devil, he says, you were, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's the serpent in Genesis 3.1. He's the angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11. Talking about how we can be deceived. And it says, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's the evil one, as we've seen. That's not an exhaustive list. That's just trying to say from the Bible, Satan is real. He's very clear. And we have to have an understanding of that. All of those things, what he talks about. And Satan has a kingdom of fallen angels, demons, that work with him. But the good news is this, okay? Much as we just want to be aware of Satan, we don't have to fear. Okay? And Satan is not like God. Okay? God is greater. God is all-knowing. Satan is not. Okay? So Satan, you can't read your mind. He's not all-knowing. He can fire some darts at you and accuse you okay? and do all his tricks. But he's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere all at once. Only God is those things. We have to understand, even though we're getting educated, okay, we don't have to fear. Knowledge is our power in this. The truth of God is our power. And Jesus withstood the temptation of Satan. Hallelujah. Fully God, fully man. And we just read that. He was tempted about his identity. He was tempted about authority. He was tempted about worship. And it says, when Satan finished all, all temp- every temptation, we don't even know all the other ones that Jesus experienced. And then he still said he's going to look for an opportune time to come back. Jesus overcame temptation. Therefore, we can as well. Jesus overcame temptation and resisted the devil by speaking out the word of God. It is written. I love that. And whenever I get tempted not to read Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all them, I just remember Jesus quoted three times from Deuteronomy. Whoa! I love all the word of God. Hey, if Jesus can use Deuteronomy, we can use Deuteronomy, all right? So it's important that we understand the whole counsel of the Bible is powerful. It's the Word of God. And we can be encouraged that Jesus understands what it is like to live in this sin-sick world, and this same Jesus will help us in our fight. Okay? Can I say that again? It's really, 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 really encouraging to have a Savior and a hero And now our great high priest who's praying for us, who lived on planet earth, who knows what it is to be hungry, who was tempted in every way, who now is helping us. It's really encouraging that when you undergo temptation, when you undergo spiritual battle, we know we have one who we're praying to, who has conquered Satan, who we're following, who empowers us. That's encouraging. And the truth this morning that we want to get across is you need to know and you can know the truth of who God really is in Jesus Christ, what he's done for us through the cross, what he's done for us through the resurrection. It's more, okay, it is, what a, it is a penalty for sin and it is getting us right with God. All those things are absolutely true. But it goes even beyond that. He also came to set captives free. Hallelujah. We don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. Okay, he came to give us life here on planet earth he came to give us eternal life with him forever he came to reveal the father hey what jesus did on the cross what jesus did through his resurrection goes beyond sometimes what we just focus on which is so true the penalty for sin absolutely but it goes beyond that as well that the penalty for sin being paid makes us free 
in the eyes of God, but also this, we're free from the slavery that Satan would have over our lives. And when Jesus stood and said, it is written, and he quoted Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. What did he came came to set the captives free? He came to preach good news to the poor. I came to deliver those who were in darkness. We have to understand the reality and the breadth and the scope and the depth of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because many people can get saved on a little bit of truth, hallelujah, but then they still live in bondage. And as Christians, we don't want that. And this is why it's so important to understand Jesus and all that he is and all that he's doing for us. And even in the Lord's Prayer, it's great. We had the kids there a couple weeks ago come and they're praying out the Lord's Prayer and they've been learning that. Okay, if we ever need an example of the battle that we're in, you just read how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And he says this, deliver us from the evil one. Okay, lead us not into temptation. It's all there. Such an important prayer to learn. Not by rote just to go through it, but there's power in that prayer. That Jesus today, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, And as we do our part, we're forgiving all those different things. God, you give us our daily bread. Okay, It's the word of God. You come and lead us not into temptation. Help us, Lord, to resist temptation. You deliver us from the evil one every single day. Okay? That's a great prayer to have as a weapon. And we need to know this. We need to know foundationally the enemy's strategy. Peter says this, and if Peter, if anyone knew okay, what it was to be tempted and be in spiritual warfare, Peter's a good guy to come back to. And at the end of his life, he says this, be sober-minded. No kidding, eh? Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we could do a whole message on that about being a solo Christian and how easier it is to get picked off when you're on your own and not in the community and the family of God. Okay? All you have to do is watch one of those episodes of being in the wild. And we know a lion picks off the one off on its own. Okay? So there's a whole lesson right there. Okay? And folks, we have an enemy who doesn't play fair. And the Bible says he's vicious, cunning, and destructive. So folks, this is a reality check when we talk about sin. When we dabble in sin, and sometimes we can just think, Satan deceives us like this. We think our sin, when we disobey God, whatever it might be, we have this thing about us that we, we compartmentalize it, and we think, I can sin, and I can contain it in this little area of my life, but everything else, that, doesn't, that little area right there doesn't affect everything else. And we don't realize that when we disobey God and we sin, we're not just dealing with, which is so true, our relationship with God, which affects everything. But we have to understand the reality of that we're giving in to our enemy. And we're inviting him to have access to our lives. And that's a reality that we don't think about. We think, sin, I'm going to escape my pain, I'm going to have my pleasure, I'm going to do it my way, whatever that might look like. And we don't understand the reality of the battle that's going on above us that our choices affect so many different things. They affect our lives. Okay? If you're a dad, guess what? It affects your wife and your kids. Okay? It hinders your prayers to God. Okay? There's consequences 
in these things. And we have an enemy who doesn't play by the rules. So I'll get back to my Mother's Day for a minute, okay? So you as moms, okay? vulnerable times. Your vulnerable times, sleep deprivation is a big one. Okay? Your vulnerable times, all those things of comparing yourself to other women, other moms, and other wives, those sorts of things. Satan doesn't play fair. He'll go after your kids. And there's a reality waking up to, you know what? When you're up in the middle of the night, there's a reason why we believe, okay? It's good to know Scripture. So even sometimes when you're just totally out of it, you can quote Scripture because that's battling. But you can pray. We believe God gives a gift of being able to pray in tongues. That's your personal to edify you because your mind is unfruitful. But in the middle of the night, as your baby is going crazy, you can pray in tongues. Okay? And that's fighting a spiritual battle. You don't see that in a Mother's Day card, do you? <laughs> but it's true. And you can pick any one of us, no matter who you are. If you're single, hey, he doesn't play fair. He's going to come at you for being lonely. He's going to come at you for your identity and no one wants you. He's going to and as soon as you get married, he's going to come at you and say, oh, you're stuck with that person now. You should have done all these other things. Okay? It's just like, come on. He doesn't play fair. If you're old, he'll say you're too old. If you're young, he'll say you're too young. You just go through whatever situation you're in. Okay? And we have to understand he goes through these, these three main things. He accuses. And he did it with Jesus, didn't he? First thing he went after he went after his identity. If you are the son of God. So, you take that. If you're really a Christian, you wouldn't be thinking that. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't be, and you can just go on and on and on, and you get accused, and you're just like, ah, what am I? And we've got to come back. Say he goes after your identity, okay? You're either too fat, or you're too old, or you're too lazy, or he can just go through all the different things. You don't measure up. He attacks your identity. Identity, identity, identity. And that's why we spend so much time on knowing your identity in Christ. That's why he gives you his Holy Spirit so you can know that I'm loved by the Father. I don't care what any magazine or any commercial says. I don't care people think I'm ugly. I don't care if I'm not strong enough or in good enough shape or anything like that. I know my dad loves me. Woo! You get that. You're, you're secure. You can battle through a lot of things. You're like Teflon when that gets going. Okay? Identity crises are avoided. Because I know that I know that I know who I am in Christ. And I'm more concerned about what Jesus says about me and what he did and my position in him than my performance or what anyone else says about me. Now, in the body of Christ, we get constructive criticism. We, you know, we help each other. You understand what I'm saying. Satan also goes into, what are you going to worship? Satan said to Jesus, hey, I'll take you up here. All this belongs to me. And if you worship me, I'll give it all to you. Do you see a battle going on? Identity. And what are you going to worship? You're going to worship yourself. You're going to worship your kids. You're going to worship family. He even takes good things and makes them an idol out of them. You're going to worship your health. You're going to worship your recreation. You're going to worship your money, your whatever it is. And he goes after authority. Okay? Who's the authority in your life? And we've talked before about the lordship of Jesus Christ, that we come under his lordship, that we do fall at his feet. And we say, Jesus, now I'm going to walk 
you're my leader. I'm going to follow you. And I'm not the boss of me anymore. These are the things, foundational things. And we can go through, I have all the scriptures here of how he accuses. In Zechariah 3.1 says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. We can go through all the different things. Temptation, being deceived. He's tricky. Paul says, you know, we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Paul says, trap, 2 Timothy 2, he says, you know, we pray that they come to the knowledge of truth. They come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. He used a sickness. Luke 13, Jesus talking about, says he was teaching in one of the synagogues of the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. And they questioned and said, what are you doing healing on the Sabbath? Talk about like totally missing it. And Jesus said, not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Oh, hallelujah. He delivers us. Sorry, Jesus delivers us from fear. Satan uses fear. Hebrews 2, 14, 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Because folks, we have many people who are enslaved to fear. Many people who are in fear of dying. They're enslaved to it. They worry about it all their life. They try to keep young all their life to avoid the ultimate end of having to dealing with dying. These are all the things Satan uses. That again, we don't need to be fearful of, we just need to be mindful of so we know what God has done for us to battle these things. And then we get strongholds in our lives as well. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty, lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Wow, that's a powerful couple of verses. Because most of the time, strongholds have to do with our thought life. And in the Old Testament, a stronghold, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending upon what the context was. The bad thing was, a lot of times, the people of God, their enemies... They might break through the wall. They might break into a city. But right in the middle of the city, there was a tower that was a stronghold that was the last thing to be demolished. And if you got through the gates and you got through the walls and you got in, everybody hid in the stronghold and that was the hardest one to get to. So that's a negative thing. And sometimes we're saved. Sometimes God set us free from different things. And sometimes there seems to be one or two things that even though the rest of our life, we've got some freedom and victory. There might be one or two things that are a stronghold in our life that has a stronghold over us that we know isn't godly and we just don't know how to get rid of it. At the opposite end, the Bible talks about how God is our stronghold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He is my stronghold. So we've got to replace 
the bad strongholds with Jesus being our stronghold. Jesus has got a stronghold of every aspect of our life. And there's different ways that we can get a strong. A lot of times, okay, especially if we're not if we're not a Christian until later in life, okay, we've done a lot of things, a lot of things have happened to us that we bring into being a Christian that we need to get sorted out. And this is what we deal with a lot in discipleship. Okay? So sometimes people bring stuff in that they've done or things that have done to them that we need to help them show at the cross how Jesus dealt with these things. Both the wrongs that you've done and the wrongs that have been done to you. And that's the power of the gospel. And folks, as Christians, there's no other answer to these things than Jesus and what he's done on the cross and his resurrection. Okay? So I get very, 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 very scared when I hear lots of Christian things dealing with identity issues, self-esteem, all these things, and they never mention the cross or Jesus, I don't call it Christian. I'll be honest with you. Okay? We don't look for extra biblical things. We come back to the cross every time. That's why we sing about it so much and we preach about it so much in all of our truth of our songs this morning. Okay? We can sing about the cross and the resurrection all the time because that's the answer for everything. So if you're looking for other answers outside of that, you haven't understood the cross and what Jesus has done. You haven't understood the magnitude and the depth of what Christ accomplished through his death and through his resurrection. So if you're seeking freedom, you have to come back to Jesus and what he's done. And then he lives today. It's absolutely vital. And sometimes we bring from sins from our past, we could be involved sometimes in the occult, hidden secret things that we bring into the light. And we confess and we renounce, we shut the door on our involvement in those things. And we get freed up from things. It could be drugs, alcohol, different things that we're involved in that become addictions. Sometimes a lot of things, you pass out and things have happened to you you don't even remember. And you don't know what access you've given Satan to have permission into your life that he's going to mess you up. We've got to shut those doors. Sexual stuff, perversion, pornography, sex outside of marriage, all kinds of stuff. You open doors. The two become one flesh. There's a spiritual bond. And unless you deal with those things, okay, it messes you up. Trauma. We can be involved in traumatic things that infect our emotions, affect us. But folks, the answer to all those things is Jesus and coming and knowing that Jesus has dealt with these things. Both the wrongs that we've done, we can receive forgiveness, we can repent, we can renounce, we can shut those doors, we can be cleansed, we can be washed, we can be healed, we can be delivered. Hallelujah! That's what Jesus does. But we have to be aware of it and bring these things to Jesus. And strongholds involve our thought life, and basically most strongholds are really this. They're lies about God and ourselves that we believe And so you understand now, more and more, why we are trying to teach and all that we do a proper understanding of the God of the Bible. Because what you think and believe about God affects everything in your life. It's the number one thing. How you think and believe about God is the most important thing in your life. And I'll go a step further. What you think and how you believe about Jesus It's the most important thing in your life. So if you've got wrong understanding, wrong 
experience wrong truth about God, that will affect your thought life, that will affect your view of God and your view of yourself. So we're always coming back. We submit ourselves to the Word of God. We want to correctly handle the Word of God. We want to understand and apply the truth of God, who God is, what He's done through His Son, Jesus Christ. What, why is the cross and the resurrection so powerful? Why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit so important to my Christian walk? Why do we need Christian community? Why do we need each other? All these things we go over and over and over and over about how important it is to worship God, how important it is to carve out time that you get with God and you get to hear God's voice, how important it is that you begin to understand the Word of God so that you can, not only for yourself, but you can begin to teach and help others. It's not just so that you get right with God. Ah, You're already right with God because Jesus has done that. He puts us in right standing with God. We now want to live in freedom. We want to maintain that freedom once we understand it and get it. And we want to be free so God can use us to help others. And every time we sin, we take a step back. Now, it doesn't mean that we're disqualified necessarily, but we want to quicker and quicker say no to temptation and not even sin. And when we do sin, we want to get quicker and quicker to say God's kindness leads us to repentance. We turn from it and we get right with God and we keep on going. Because, folks, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It affects the name of Jesus. It affects his church. And it affects our witness. So we need to be aware of these things. Folks, we need to renew our minds. And when we feel accused, when we have identity issues, when we struggle with all these things, we need to do as Paul did and said, I capture that thought. I got it. And I bring it to the Word of God, and I find verses, as Jesus did, where I say, it is written, and that trumps any accusation, any lie, anything the world or the devil or our flesh will tell us. That's how we overcome. And the good news is we have a great Savior who has overcome. So we're going to continue this up Okay, I'll just do a little bit now. We're going to continue over after the church weekend and that. As Jesus said, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover his sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if I were to ask you this question, what's the reason Jesus came to earth? We could ask that at Christmas time or Easter. What's the reason Jesus came to earth? I'm sure I get lots of good answers. But I want you to understand one of your answers should be that answer. Okay? So I think I'd get something like this if I were to ask you that question. The reason Jesus came to earth, I think you'd say, to come and die for our sins? Absolutely. To redeem captives out of slavery into freedom? I hope you'd say that. To destroy the authority of the powers of darkness? I'm not quite sure if many would say that. To show us how to live? I think many people would say that. To reveal the Father to us? Check mark. To bring us to life? Check. Guarantee our eternal life with the Godhead? John says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Woo! I hope we have that in our definition of why Jesus came. And if we don't, we're missing out on something. And we haven't done a very good job okay, of helping you to understand the magnitude of why Jesus has come. He's bringing back his creation that belonged to his Father. And he's restoring it, and he's redeeming it, and he's reconciling everything 
to himself. And the decisive victory over Satan was won by Jesus on the cross. We read this, Colossians 2, 13-15. And you, who were dead, I say me, us, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, that this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That is in Jesus. Folks, in a court of law, legally, on the cross, when Jesus died and he said, it is finished, the legal stuff was done. That he paid for it all, our trespasses, our sins, everything that we've done, everything that was wrong, that was done against us legally in a court of law, it is finished. He has done it. It is forgiven. When we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we ask him to forgive us. He has forgiven us. And legally, our debts are wiped away. And as we said many times, not only does he get us back to zero, even though we owed him billions of dollars that we could never repay, he fills our bank account with billions of dollars and the riches in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the best news on planet Earth. So as Angela humbly said in worship, okay, I might feel this. Well, the truth of God says this. Your sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah. It is written. Hallelujah. And legally, Satan, legally, has no more right to have access and to be in your life because now you belong to another. You've been bought with a price, with the precious blood of Jesus. So we're singing truth this morning, and you can put a scripture behind every lyric in those songs. That's why we're careful how we pick the songs that we sing, because we're singing truth. And we can say, when we worship and say, we're covered by your blood, we need to understand what we're singing. That's the truth that I am now marked as a follower of Christ. I'm now marked, and the blood of Jesus covers all my sin. Hallelujah. It's a legal, done deal. In the court of law, I'm declared righteous because of Jesus Christ. We're legally free by the blood of Jesus, and we have to learn to stand in the fight on the ground Jesus has won for us. So when we stand, the battle belongs to the Lord, we're pointing to Jesus. Okay? You walk in the courtroom, here's my lawyer, he's done it all, I'm in him. And we need to learn to do that. Jesus died as a man on our behalf and therefore destroyed Satan's oppressive hold on our lives. We do not need to fear him anymore. The resurrection proves the power of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. So the cross is important. We understand he nailed everything to it. But the resurrection is important because God the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead and he conquered the effects of sin and death. And he destroyed Satan's last great tool, death. We don't have to fear it any longer. So we can say we can overcome we can say, no matter what comes our way, and as Christians have proved it for 2,000 years, even as martyrs, burned at the stake, everything, they can say, I know who I belong to, and I know where I'm going. And there's a confidence that comes in knowing Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
that he overcame death, therefore he'll overcome it for us as well. And this is the great truth. We can now live and act as Jesus did towards Satan because of what Jesus has done. We can say, well, Jesus is the Son of God. No wonder he was able to resist. No, that's for us now as well. Jesus conquered Satan, and now we are in Christ. His Holy Spirit lives in us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And if we learn that he empowers us to say no to temptation, to renew our mind, to take every thought captive, he's the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, would you help me? I'm battling these thoughts in my head. I'm going to bring them to the Word of God. Reveal truth to me that I can come and I can say, it is written that trumps my feelings, emotions, these accusations in my head. We resist with the Word of God. And folks, that's why we want to, one of the reasons we want to learn the Word of God. Okay? We want to know God, but we've got tools in our tool belt to say, it is written. And I love that. Jesus quoting from Deuteronomy. Powerful. It is written. So we want to memorize. We want our kids to memorize the Word of God. Okay? It's a bonus getting a Dairy Queen card, but we want them to be equipped with the Word of God that at a young age they understand the battle that they're in. And I can teach my kids, okay, Star Wars is one thing, but here's the real battle. And you've got tools. You might not have a lightsaber, but you've got the Word of God. And we get in them. It is written. And they can learn the Word of God. That we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we get our lives cleaned up and as we shut those doors on Satan, as we cast out demons, okay, we deal with all those things. Those things are real. We deal with them more and more every single week. We're seeing people get freed up. Okay? We walk in the power of Jesus' name. We walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit who's given us gifts so that we can work together to see people set free and delivered who are now free to worship the living God, who are now free to find out what spiritual gifts they have for them, who are now free to find their place in the body of Christ so that they can help others, who are now free to be able, as they've been helped, to be able to help others. So whatever experience you've had of Jesus helping you, okay, you can in turn help others. And whatever things Satan meant for evil in your life, and he meant to kill you, and he meant to destroy you, and he, harmful things have happened to you, and you've done terrible things, and as you experience the freedom of Christ, and you experience the forgiveness of Christ, and as you experience what it is to understand grace and mercy, then you can then help others by telling your story, as Gary helped us out with last week. And I know what I've done, and if I can be forgiven, and God can do this in me, even though a lot of times I'm still learning, I'm still just baby steps, I know he can do that in you. We can walk in the power of Jesus. We can walk in the goodness of what he's done. One of my favorite verses, okay, and I'll end with this, is Peter when he writes this in Acts, or Luke writes it in Acts 10 about Peter, and he's preaching to Cornelius in his house, and he's explaining to these Gentiles about who Jesus is. And he says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38 of Acts 10 this is a great one to have memorized, to read it out every day. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we should be able to read that out for every single one of us individually. So we should be able to say, you know how God has anointed, you can say Penny Boober, with the Holy Spirit and with power. She went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with her. How God anointed the meeting place church with the Holy Spirit and with power. How they went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. So folks, today we have to realize we're in a battle. Hey, if you're not, in a, if you're not a Christian here this morning, this is news to you. Hey, from the bottom of my heart, best news you can hear today is just to understand you're in a battle. There's no neutral. Just being born on planet Earth, you're already in Satan's camp. That's because he is the prince of this world still. And Jesus is returning again, so that's not always going to be the case. And every day Satan retreats more and more as the kingdom of God advances with the gospel and salvation and healing and deliverance more and more every day. But it's a wake-up call to realize there's a battle here on earth, but a battle for your future and for your eternal position. And the good news today is Jesus Christ has been sent by God the Father because he so loved us that he went to the cross, that he dealt with our sin and our shame. But he he did this. He dealt with Satan at the cross. He legally recovered what rightfully belonged to his father. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven, we're made right with God, we're cleansed, we're renewed, and we can shut the doors on whatever things controlled you in the past don't have to control you any longer. That you can be led by the Holy Spirit that you can know what it is to have freedom in Christ, both in here, in your head, and in your heart, that you can be cleansed, okay? You can deal with anything that you were looking for in new age, okay, in sexual relationships, in drugs, all those things. You don't have to do those things anymore. You can come to Jesus Christ. You can experience real power, real victory, and real freedom. And you can belong to his body, the family of God, that you can experience him in many ways you've never thought possible, and that you've got a glorious future ahead of you. That's the good news today. He came to set captives free. And there's no shame in saying, I'm a captive. Then he's here for you. Jesus said, I've come as a doctor. I've come to help those who are sick. Lord Jesus Christ today, We just proclaim again that you rule and that you reign here in your church. I confess myself, Jesus Christ, that you're my Lord and Savior. That you have dealt with all my sin. That you're the risen Christ. That you defeated Satan on the cross. That you're the resurrected Christ. That now you sit at your Father's right hand, interceding for us, ruling and reigning. And one day you're returning to bring all things to completion. To bring all things to reconciliation with your Father to judge the living and the dead, to know who belongs to you. And I pray this morning, by the power of Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reveal Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to some here today who don't know you. May they know you as the good shepherd, the chief overseer of our souls. And Father, I pray for those who are already in Christ today. I pray, Spirit of truth, would you come and set 
Anyone who's not free, would you set the captives free? Would you set your children free? We know that healing is in your hands. We come to you and no other. We pray today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.